Welcome to the Unstoppable Podcast, the official podcast of Unstoppable Domains. Join us each week to hear from leading experts in the exciting new fields of blockchain, cryptocurrency, and the decentralized web, where we talk about the future of the internet and what that means for humans like us. Not only will this podcast help you sound super smart around your friends, but you'll also learn how you can become a pioneer in the space and help lead the charge towards a more decentralized web. How's it going? Good, good. Yeah, today we're going to continue our discussion because our last one actually ran over. So I appreciate you uh, making some more time here. And uh, last episode, we were talking about just the decentralized web very generally and, you know, kind of what is the decentralized web. And I feel like you still had a few questions left. So I want to make sure we got back to give you a second chance to go at this. So I'm going to pass it to you uh, and go ahead and hit me. <laughs> Matt, thank you so much for having me on. I have so many more questions. Uh, so, so if you haven't listened to the episode before this, do that first. So, you know, the context that we're providing here, but the first thing I wanted to hit on is with anything, especially anything new, there's pros and cons, right? You're going to get haters for any new things that comes around. I feel like most people in general are just resistant to change. So now that we're introducing this whole new concept, that's like hard to even conceptualize. This is like introducing the internet to people, you know, 50 years ago, like people were like, what? Like, I can't even wrap my mind around it. So what are some of the cons to uh, the decentralized web now that we've talked about so many of the pros? Uh Okay. Yes. So I just want to, we'll re- reiterate the pros one more time and I'll dive into the cons of the problems. But like the big deal about the big positive that you get from the centralized web is ownership. You know, you're establishing property rights online. Um, and once you do that, I think you're going to have a much bigger pie. So like the economy, you know, the digital economy is going to grow significantly once you establish property rights, just like the real world economy did the same thing. So um, all the positive attributes that come out of the decentralized web are really coming from this fundamental, now you can own digital things um, paradigm that was given to us um, by the creation of these new technologies. So that, that that's where all the pros come from. So all the cons, all the negatives come from exactly the same thing, right? So the fact is like now you can own all your things online. So, you know, what do I do about uh, this crazy person who's just spew, you know, this, what, what do you do about a crazy terrorist who's spewing, you know, really violent and horrible information out um, on their decentralized Twitter, right? Uh, and, and, and um, so that gets at a point, which is once you give people ownership over the things online, you're also giving up control of that, right? So like Twitter, the large corporation no longer has control in order to you know turn off users that it doesn't like. YouTube can't turn off uh, channels that they don't like anymore, um, and you know your DNS provider can't shut you down. Uh, the, these types of things. So, uh, and that's because that user has full control over their um, over their items. So, what's going to happen is you're going to you are going to get more randomness on the internet, uh, and so you're going to have these people on the fringes come out and and spew this kind of this kind of uh, terrible information out there. Um, but uh, in exchange for that, you're going to get significantly more um, economic benefits. So it's a pros cons ways. So I, I'm telling you, I think that the economy is going to grow, you know, 10 X on the digital economy because of this, if not more, and then your craziness, maybe only gets two to three X bigger. So that still may not be a great trade for you, but uh, I will point out that even if you have people out there um, putting out really bad information, the, uh, one of the other pros of having control of your of your digital life is you'll also be able to put in filters, right? So when we talk to people now, um, you know, if you have a, you could have 
child block or, you know, uh, parental controls, right, on your Netflix or on your Amazon or whatever, you'll be able to establish the same type of thing as you're going on online. And then the other thing that you get is because you can see the data that other people own, um, you can you can check the validity of the information. So now if someone says, right now, if someone says something crazy on Twitter, you know, Twitter will has just recently started putting in little blurbs like, oh, this, this may or may not be true or whatever. But in the future, uh, when people control their own Twitter, you'll actually be able to see uh, when they make a post, you can actually go look at that person's profile and be like, oh, here's their Twitter, but you know, here's also their, uh, you know, their, their, their Reddit. And, and here they are, you know, as a verified member of, you know, the New York times, or maybe they're a verified member of Fox news or something. Uh, and then, you know, here, here's them being verified that they're actually also a member of parliament, or here's something that says that they have none of those things and they have zero qualifications whatsoever. And, um, there's a, there's another organization out there like fact checker, you know, United or something. And they say that this guy's always a liar. Um, what I'm trying to tell you is because the data is now open, right? So transparency is a big part of what happens, uh, when you have, um, property rights, um, because you need to know who owns what you'll actually be able to check and get additional information. So, a couple of the products that you could see in the future to uh, mitigate some of these cons of a, of a more open internet where people can own things, uh, you could see things like verified news um, in a way that is much better now. And, and everyone knows the blue check mark on Twitter and like, oh, that's cool. But I'm talking about verified news where if they write a news story about something, um, they could actually, you could have people, anyone start to uh, submit information about that, about that. And you'd be able to see that uh, directly. Like you could click through and see the link to the evidence that this is true or false, um, much easier than you can now. You can also verify who posted it. And in a world of deep fakes, this is actually a real problem. I don't know if you saw them during the campaign here in the US. There are lots of really funny uh, fake videos of Donald Trump and then Biden, and they look real. Um, but if those videos were on uh, like not on the blockchain, but verified by the blockchain, you could actually see, you know, this video is approved by the Donald Trump campaign. So you would know that it's a real video or this video is approved by Biden. And right now you have all these fake stories where they'll post things where there's like an image of um, uh, one of these political candidates and they'll take them out of context in a really, in a way that's quite harmful. But in the future, that post may not even show up in your newsfeed because you'll just say, I don't want to see any news that isn't verified um, on chain that it's coming from the true source. So like if there's a video of, you know, some political candidate and the participant in that video, they don't have the signature from the uh, private key that, yes, this is really me in this video, then it won't even show up in your newsfeed. So the, um, you know, the cons of having all this extra information that, that could be harmful out there and much more randomness out there, uh, they're going to be countered by the fact that because you can now validate the truthfulness of information much more easily by checking on the blockchain, you'll be able to filter it. So it's like a couple steps removed, um, but it's not going to be anarchy. And in fact, I think it's going to be the exact opposite. Another one that I really like, like verified news is a good example, but another one that I like is verified reviews. Um, I don't know if you've ever uh, been to a restaurant or something that had a bunch of Yelp reviews on it, but you know, there's a lot of problems in knowing uh, if this is true or false or whatever. And one of the things that I talk about is like, when I go to the coffee shop, I'd love to go, you know, to like 
Chicago or, or, or uh, you know, Atlanta and, or, or, you know, New York or something. And I, and I would love to be able to be like, I want to go to the coffee shop that uh, uh, David justice and he's a baseball player out of Atlanta has also been to in Atlanta. And I could see that in the future. Right. Because when, when he, um, when he, you know, had a cup of coffee at a local Starbucks or whatever, he left a review on there. And because he signed it with his, um, his digital key, which is linked back to this blockchain technology, I can actually know that he was there. And, that, and that's really him leaving that review. So the thing, the problem that you had in the 1990s, which is no one knows if you're a dog on the internet, gets solved by these uh, decentralized web technologies, which allow you to create um, uh, verified identities so that you can leave more information. And then of course, if you want to stay anonymous, you can do that too. Uh, but I actually believe that we're going to have more information about things online, not less. Okay, cool. So Okay, lot to unpack there. Uh, I, I have a follow-up question, but before that, I just want to make a comment. So you're saying in the future, we're not going to have internet trolls anymore. All these anonymous fake accounts, people with like 10 Instagram accounts or Reddit accounts that just go around trolling everybody, those people will no longer exist. Well, so I will say, I, I, think, I bet you have more because more people will be able to easily be anonymous if they want to, but they're going to have, uh, you know, one-tenth the impact because it's going to be so easily to put them it's going to be much, much easier to put them into a bucket and then uh, quiet them in, in your experience. So the okay, so, that- so so how would this work? So if I have, uh, say I own all my digital assets, I, I'm Diana Chan, I have got this blog, I've got my Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, whatever. If I wanted to make another Instagram account, like a troll, a fake account to troll people with. Yes. Can I make that without tying it to my name? Yes, you could you could make uh, another, okay. you could make another fake Diana Chen troll account, uh, and you could even troll yourself if you want. But the difference is is that the troll account would not have any verifications, right? That your main account would. So like your your main account could in and we're talking far future now. Um, you could even imagine getting like your your social account like verified, you know, at the government level, so that you can pay your parking ticket with it, right? So like your Diana Chen Instagram account. People can see like, oh yeah, this is really Diana Chen because like, you know, she paid her parking ticket with it or, or like, you know, bought her house, you know, like they can verify a lot of stuff about your entity. So those feel very confident about um, that that's you, right? Now your troll account won't have any of that linked information. And so what's going to happen is, is when you log into Twitter uh, and just like today, you can unfollow people, right? Uh, and when, so when you log into these social platforms, you are going to have settings that say, I only want to see super verified people, or maybe I only want to see people that are in my network, right, of friends, um, and, and that other people that I know uh, say are, are like a reasonable person to follow. So uh, you are going to have, so it's going to be, so I think what's going to happen is you're going to have multiple of these, you know, uh, personas online, just like I have, you know, a Reddit handle and Twitter handle, you're going to have multiples of these. Um, and then some of them are going to be like your serious account, like, I would say right now you already have this. Like you have your personal life and then you have your professional life and then you have your, maybe your account for your dog. So you're still going to have a little bit of this happening online as well. Um, and, but the big difference is other people are going to be able to see that much more easily and then filter against it. So they won't have to have it. So we're going to create more digital property by, by establishing property rights. There's going to be more of this, not less. The volume is going to get, uh, going to get turned up but at the same time the filtering on that is going to get so much better so maybe you just don't even have to hear it okay so then my other question was is there a way to not have everything linked back to your account so okay for instance 
if you only want to have a professional presence online, you only want to have a LinkedIn, but you also have Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all of those things. You just don't want like, like, you know, I, I maybe like I, if you were to Google me, I would want you to find my website, my LinkedIn, my podcast, but maybe not my Instagram. I mean, it's just not relevant to you at all. I don't know why you would want to see that or say like I had an open fans account. I definitely wouldn't want my clients seeing that stuff. You know, like, is, is there a way to not have that, but at the same time, like have credibility towards those sites? Uh, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it, what if I want my Facebook to be verified, but I also want my LinkedIn to be verified, but I don't want those two connected in the same space. Yeah, no, you'll, you'll definitely, you'll definitely have the option to do that. And, and even when you do that, both of those spaces will also be portable. So like you'll still maintain the the portability and you can uh, divide it up into however many different personas you want to have online. Yes, you, you can. And that's why it's going to take a while because actually you, there's a lot of, there's a lot of tools between now and making that super easy for users to understand. But I will point out that the basis for this already kind of exists and, and, if you know, like single sign-on, for instance, is a pretty good example. So when you single sign-on, whenever I log on somewhere, they're like, sign in with your email or your Facebook or your Twitter or your LinkedIn account. And like, you know, I don't use my LinkedIn account if it's a social application, right? And I don't use my Facebook account if it's for business, right? And and like, and, and so there, and there's some things that I don't want to, that I'll use a secondary email for. So it's going to, so what I'm trying to say is there's already technology for managing information about you across applications, that technology is known as single sign-on and it's been around for quite a while. Um, and if you can, and if you pair single sign-on technology um, that allows you to manage your profiles across applications with uh, blockchain technology, which enables you to, uh, for the end user to actually have ownership over that data, that's how, that's how you can have these different person personality profiles for one person where they use across network. And that's also how people are going to be filtering against it. So, so, um, another one that I like to think about is, and I like to think about reviews and maybe it's because I sit at coffee shops too much, but if, you know, if I'm sitting in a coffee shop and I'm reading reviews, like I want to be able to filter because I want to see reviews by fr my friends. Like I want to know where they've been that's local that I want to eat at. So I could see like my friend Jessica, you know, thinks that the best burrito in uh, the mission is this place. And, and I could do that. And, and that's, I can't do that now, but that's something that you will be able to do in a world where uh, data is much more easily read transparently off of these blockchains and shared between um, users. And I think that that world is actually quite engaging. Um, and that world is also now in this future world where I can see the review of my friend Jessica to find the best burrito in uh, San Francisco. I'll probably have a lot of trolls talking about burritos as well, but I just won't have to see those trolls because I'll just filter by what, I, what it is that I'm looking for. So when people come to us with the con of having a decentralized internet, like, wow, this is going to be wild. Like it's going to be the wild west of the internet. And like the only reason why you feel that way is because we're going to be creating more opportunity to make things. Um, and so that's always going to create, you know, they, there's no, you're going to have more if we create the opportunity to make more. But I just think that the tools in order to safeguard the internet experience and really less than safeguard, but just make it the one that you want because I don't like to read stressful things online all the time. It makes me stressed. Um, those tools are going to get, you know, a hundred times better. Whereas the size of the scope for people to create problems is only going to get, you know, three, four, five times bigger. Um, and so I think that overall, you're actually going to feel, if it works the way that I, that uh, I believe it's going to work, then you'll actually feel like the internet is a cleaner, uh, cleaner place where you're able to get more done more quickly uh, for the experiences that, that you want um, while offering a larger variety of options for everybody. 
That's awesome. I love that. Okay. So I want to talk a little bit about this blockchain domain thing that you do, because I would love to get my own blockchain domain that I own and I don't have to pay, you know, whoever, uh, X number of dollars a year to host on there. So tell me more about how that works. Yes. So, uh, Braden, my co-founder and I, we started this blockchain domain business, um, a few years ago because we actually thought it was just the natural first place for people to start owning their first pieces of property uh, on the on the internet in the digital economy. And uh, you know, the reason why we think that is one of the first things you do if you're like, oh, I want to start a business online. You're like, oh, I want to buy my domain name. And Braden and I had the realization that like, oh, I want to buy my domain name. Wait, this is a piece of the centralized technology. This is not what I want. Um, and so we felt that naming services were one of the first things that people needed to get right in order to really experience the internet where they could own things online. So, and um, I guess the other insight is that these naming services are actually really good um, uh, user ID uh, endpoints. And, and like, so naming systems in general, like you go to any application out there, we've talked about this a lot, but Twitter, Instagram, whatever, Reddit, you have a username, but what you don't have is a generalized username that you can use on all these different applications. And uh, the reason is, is because, uh, all of those names are siloed to that individual, um, to that to that property on the internet, uh, and they weren't built to move across them simply because they didn't have the technology to do that. But now that you have these blockchain technologies where you can have a distributed database and then you can use that to do reads and and uh, and travel around the internet with your data, you have this data portability. Um, it makes sense to start building these username domain name systems uh, based on the blockchain. So that's the genesis for the idea uh, and, and why we built it. And um, we think it's kind of the starting place. We pitch it as it's the onboarding point for the decentralized web. And just like in the 90s, when you bought a domain name and you're like, oh man, what do I do? And there's not a lot of tools to work with these yet. I would just caution that this is the same way it is for blockchain domains right now. When you buy a blockchain domain, the tooling is very difficult. It's hard for this to work with a lot of different places. But you fast forward 10 years or 20 years. I mean, if you buy a domain name now on GoDaddy or any of these other places, you know, you you can build a website and they have like WordPress and they have like e-commerce stores and all this other kind of stuff. So those tools for working with the decentralized internet are going to take a while to get here, but they're coming. Um, and and we picked domain names as, as really the first place. So I would say the majority of the people coming in right now, um, they're the early early adopters for this tech. And um, the idea is to kind of get you comfortable with the decentralized web. We try to make it easy. Like you can you can click through and check out with a credit card. You don't have to be a super genius in order to get one of these domain names uh, up and running. And we're continuing to innovate on a product so that you can learn how to... Um, learn how to open doors for you on the decentralized web. And one of the first ones is sending and receiving cryptocurrency payments. Uh, we take that process. If you try to do it right now, you're going to copy and paste these huge hexadecimal addresses. Um, if you get a domain name set up, you can just tell people to send it to your name instead, which is significantly easier. And so that's really our, our first use cases for this is for sending and receiving cryptocurrency. Um, and you'll start to see this extend out to the other use cases for the decentralized web that we've been talking about over the next several years. Okay, got it. So if I bought a uh, blockchain domain right now, I wouldn't actually be able to build out a website on it yet. I mean, at, at least not with my skills. Um, but at least I would own that. So I could I could try to snag, you know, Diana Chen dot what what are the endings is it dot crypto 
Yeah, Doc Crypto is the big one. Uh, and you can get a website. We do have some basic templates up. I would just suggest that like, if you want to make something uh, more complex, like an e-commerce site or something like that, then yes, you're going to need some serious dev skills at this point in time. But you know, as the future rolls forward, it's going to be a lot easier. And then you as a content producer, one of the things that we talk about internally is like, how can we really help these people uh, monetize earlier, you know, sooner rather than later? Um, and I think that it's, you know, uh, it's not here yet, but I do think that you'll soon be able to get, you know, your domain name, dynachain.crypto, and then you'll be able to tell users to go there. They'll be able to buy subscriptions um, for your podcast or whatever else you're selling. Um, you know, they can pay directly to you in cryptocurrency for those. They can get a token back that represents the subscription interest in your podcast. Um, they can share that with their friends by literally transferring the token to them. <laughs> and, and then, so like, it's like, you know, you have this problem with eBooks, right? Where if someone has an eBook, they can just make a digital copy and give it to 50 people. Uh, but we, if this is a blockchain based transaction, then they can actually like share, you can have the ability to create digital assets as a content creator, sell them direct to consumers. And then you can ensure that they're not making you know, uh, extra copies of this or whatever without your permission uh, in a way that, and then they still have access to your content. So I think we're trying to get there. We haven't had our YouTube moment yet or our AOL moment yet for the decentralized web, um, but that's okay. You know, like we have plenty of work to do here and it definitely feels like the early nineties, uh, at least, you know, the decentralized web is like exactly where that was, uh, where the regular web was in the early nineties. And we'll see how fast that, um, people start innovating. Yeah, for sure. And I, my next question is probably going to make me sound like I'm from, you know, the early nineties or something, but, uh, so what does the decentralized web look like? Like, okay. The, the web we know of now, you open up a browser, you type in www.whatever, and you go to the site. What does the decentralized web look like? So right now the decentralized web uh, only works in uh, a few browsers or with browser extensions. Um, and, I think that the decentralized web, so that, that's where we are right now. So right now you can use Opera on Android. Uh, stay tuned shortly. You'll be able to use it across other devices. Um, there's also a couple other browsers who are looking to add support here in the near future. Uh, you can download a Chrome extension, uh, the unstoppable Chrome extension, uh, and then you can browse them in the Chrome browser, just typing in dianachin.crypto. It'll actually pull uh, the website up. We think that there's going to be... Um, so web three or decentralized web, depending on who you are, that's what it gets called. It's going to be an interesting evolution of the current internet. So we had web 1.0 and that was like, man, all this new stuff that's happened in the nineties. And you had web 2.0 and that was mostly the cloud and social networks that's been having over the next 15 years. And then we're going to have web 3.0. And that's like, what happens when uh, these computer networks can actually start talking to blockchain networks. Um, so I think there's going to be a merger and, at right now, in the first, the first uh, areas of the internet to start adopting this technology are going to be the new players. So it's going to be people building dot crypto websites, um, you know, uh, and connecting them up to blockchains and issuing tokens out to users. Because this is where the technology is going to be built. You go really long run, though. I think that the the uh, traditional web 2.0 internet is going to move over, and I think that in the long run, you're going to see these companies trying to move over to the blockchain in order to uh, take advantage of some of this uh, new technology. And you're actually going to see this merger of like, you're going to have companies that have their website hosted and it's still going to be hosted on Amazon, but the users interacting with them are going to log in with their usernames, which are, um, you know, blockchain domain names. And uh, the data that's going to be read off, the information that's going to be shared between the two is going to be, you know, a mix of 
uh, AW, you know, Amazon web servers, and then maybe private servers run by these individuals or these decentralized networks. So I think it's going to be a nice hybrid model of these web two technologies working with these new web three technologies to uh, unlock more ways for people to make money. At the end of the day, the internet's about commerce. I mean, we had the internet back in the eighties, uh, but it was actually illegal to do commercial transactions uh, on the internet. Like they, they didn't let you run a business. It was supposed to be nonprofit. Um, and then we, allowed the profit motive and the market to come in and really build up the internet. Um, and it just accelerated really quickly. Uh, the All these crypto technologies and blockchain tech, they have incentives right from the get-go. So I think it'll be pretty rapid um, and we'll see it emerge around mostly commercial use cases for like content producers, for example. Yeah. Do you ever see the internet as we know it today disappearing completely or do you see it always being around and kind of being in this hybrid model with, you know, internet 2.0 and 3.0 operating at the same time? Well, um, so I would just say that the, uh, like the internet of the nineties doesn't exist anymore. Like there's not any more like flashing websites, you know, unless they're, unless they're, you know, just up there for, um, for fun, right? So I think it's going to be the same way uh, where the whole internet is going to migrate over to use these new technologies. And it's just going to be like your website's out of date if it doesn't use them. Like, I think that's the future is like, if you're not actually connecting up to a crypto network or a blockchain or allowing your users to log in with their, you know, blockchain domain or something like that, then you're actually, your website's just behind the time. So people are going to land on your website and be like, oh, I don't want to be at this store. It's too outdated. And then they're going to go somewhere else. So, um, I mean, like, yes, they'll both still exist, but I think that definitely the standard is going to move towards the decentralized internet web three standard over the next uh, couple of decades, simply because it's going to save people a lot of money and it's going to uh, create a lot of business opportunity. Got it. Okay, Matt, I know you got to run soon, but before you go, um, tell me what, what next steps should I be taking? So download the unstoppable extension on Chrome, get a blockchain domain. What else should I be doing? Cause I want to get in on this. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I would uh, subscribe to the podcast, right? And and then I would uh, attempt to launch a website. Uh, you can do that too through Unstoppable Domains, uh, just by clicking some buttons. Um, and then I would, uh, you know, read our blog, sign up, and then learn. This is really the education phase of the internet. Uh, uh, sorry, the decentralized internet for people. And just stay tuned because I think there's a lot here um, that you'll give yourself a significant advantage if you're one of the first movers. I mean, you know, if you're just one of the if you're one of the first people that figures out. Um, a piece of this new decentralized web and how that technology can apply to your business, you're going to be in a pretty good spot. So, um, and that that goes across anything. You know, Joe Rogan was one of the first people to go direct to consumer on podcasts ten years ago, and now he's getting you know hundred million dollar cash out from Spotify to to do his podcast. So, I think we're going to see that that always happens in technology. So, being a pioneer in technology uh, can work out very well. And then have fun would be the last piece of advice I have. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of things that people are going to build on new tech space that's just not going to work. There's a lot of failed websites. Um, you know, there's you know everyone knows about Google, but there were like ten or fifteen or maybe even a hundred other small search engines. So, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of trial and error and a lot of failure in the space as well. Um, and so, if you just keep an open mind, uh, you want to have fun, you're going to learn about it. Um, worst case scenario, you know how to engage with these technologies and you can be the friend of the party who can say like, oh yeah, I know how that works. Uh, instead of just looking clueless, um, uh, like my like my dad who still has a flip phone. <laughs> totally. And I mean, if there's anything that we all learn from internet 1.0 or 2.0, it's just that being a first mover, really, you get that advantage. And now that I think about it, I think I'm going to probably snag just diana.crypto or something like that and you know, be like the at Diana. 
Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, we'll make sure that you, you have a chance to do that before we publish this podcast. So. <laughs> yep. Anyone listening called Diana, don't take it. <laughs> I called it. I called it first. Got it. All right. Well, thanks everyone for uh, listening in today. Um, we're going to keep going on some of these series on the Unstoppable podcast. Uh, hope this has been educational. As always, uh, shoot us a message if you have some ideas that you would like us to discuss. And uh, we'll see you next time. And thanks, Diane. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Unstoppable Podcast. If something I've said today resonated with you, please rate, subscribe, download the podcast, and share this episode on social media with your network. This helps other people find us. And remember, the fun doesn't have to stop when the episode ends. We can continue the conversation on Twitter by tweeting your questions, thoughts, or ideas to me at Matthew E. Gould. We look forward to chatting with you, and thanks again for listening. Mm-hmm.